Welcome to the first episode of the Thousand Voices podcast. My name is Mujan Askari, founder and CEO of Thousand Eyes on Me. Each week, you will hear stories of fearless leaders and entrepreneurs to get inspired and learn how to become a successful leader. The following episode is made in collaboration with Women in AI as part of a series of interviews with top female founders in the field of artificial intelligence. We're going to talk about what barriers women encounter to succeed in a male-dominated industry of AI. With only 22% of women participation, artificial intelligence remains a very male-dominated industry. And becoming a leader in this field also requires a lot of sacrifice and resilience. Today we have a guest who has come a long way to break the barriers and become not only a woman working in the AI field, but also a startup founder. While only 4% of global venture funds go to female-founded companies. Deva Seneviratne is the co-founder of Sunrise Analytics, an AI company providing a cloud platform for biotech and pharma companies to securely store, access, and analyze large amounts of biomedical data. Originally from Sri Lanka and based out of Belfast in Northern Ireland, Deva is a full-stack developer specialized in designing and developing software frameworks for big data analytics. She is also the second prize winner of the Women in AI Awards of Europe 2020. Welcome, Deva. It's a pleasure to have you with us. Hello, Vijan. Glad to be here. So, Deva, uh, could you tell us a little bit more about your journey and how you developed the Indra framework and later on you went on building Sunrise Analytics? Of course. So it is a bit of a story. So um, the way it worked was, so just like you said, um, so I come from a computer science background. Um, and the moment that I finished my undergrad, you know, and I got into working within software, I knew that I wanted to do something a bit different because I didn't want to just build software for the sake of building software. And then, so I was talking to some of my lecturers later on from UCD and one of them was like, well, you know, if you're interested in branching out to other fields, have you ever heard of bioinformatics? And I was like, no, I haven't. What is this? And he was like, you know, this is this interesting field where you can actually, um, coming in from different fields, people, you know, biologists, computer scientists, they come together and they work together to try and figure out how they can find or accelerate, um, you know, healthcare um, um, ana- analytics, essentially. And I was like, oh, that sounds interesting. Again, no idea would buy, like, you know, any idea of biology, never done anything to do with biology. But I was like, yeah, sure, I'll, I'll take up the challenge. Um, as as you would. So um, then obviously I ended up applying to Queens um, in Northern Ireland and I uh, got into their course, uh, Bioinformatics and Computational Genomics and for the master's. And one of the things you had to do in the master's was uh, for your final year project, um, you have to, you know, pick up a topic and you have to do something that's, um, you know, related to the field that you're studying. So they gave us the names of the topics and um, every single one of them looks, looked like they were going to be you know, heavy on biology, which again, I had very little knowledge on at that time. And I was being like, oh God, I can't do this. This was a mistake. And um, I ended up being, I took so much time selecting the project that both the projects that I thought that had some computer science in that I would survive in actually ended up getting uh, grabbed up by other people. So I got a project that I wasn't expecting to do. 
which sounded very heavy on biology. And I remember walking into the room of who was going to be my supervisor, um, Dara. And, you know, just the first thing I probably told him was, I'm so sorry. I know you needed a biologist, but I'm a computer scientist. <laughs> and <laughs> like, this is not going to go well. Um, but luckily for both of us, it turned out that um, Dar actually wanted someone who was a computer, like who was, you know, more into computer science. But because uh, the course was heavily uh, populated with people who were more biologists, that's why he had put out a... Um, project that was more biology based and within like the first five minutes both of us were talking and um he was like yeah we can you know we can change the project um you know obviously it's still going to be based on medical data but we can change it so that it fits better with what you wanted to do and at that time when he was a postdoc so at this point he's obviously a lecturer but when he was a postdoc he had been working on this project where he had built a framework that was sort of handling these um you know, um, integrative uh, data, data integration that was working on data integration in um, healthcare data. Um, so he was like, you know what, what we're going to do is we're going to get you a part of that framework to work on. And, you know, the, you know, you can add a few features to it and that will be your final project and you'd be sweet. Now, the problem is he had been doing this when he was a postdoc and now he's a lecturer. So therefore, obviously that framework belonged to other people. And, you know, there's all sorts of politics I'm sure you'd understand involved in getting hold of these things once they're gone so um, so many months into the project I still don't have a project I haven't got access to the framework and obviously me and Dara every day like we brainstorm we talk about different technologies and what we could do if I had you know the freedom and the time to do this all on my own but obviously I, now I knew that I had to like work on the framework they were going to give me but then literally three weeks before the deadline, I still haven't got access. And this is supposed to be like a good three month project. Uh, and I, I woke up one morning and I was like, oh God, I'm going to fail the project because I still haven't had the chance to code this at all. So I go into Dara's office and um, this was a significant moment for me because I went into his office and I was like, Dara, is it okay if we just, because I don't think we're going to get the, um, you know, the go I don't think we're going to get hold of that other project. I don't think I'm going to get access. Would you trust me to build your brand new framework, a prototype framework within these next three weeks? And I was positive that he was going to turn around and tell me, are you mad? No way, because <laughs> that's just not going to happen. Um, instead, he turned around, he looked at me now again, understand he'd never seen me code before he'd never seen what I was capable of we'd only ever had the chance to like spitball ideas up to up until that point and he, but he turned around and I really admire him for that to this day he said okay I'm going to give you three days because this is a brand new technology that you're talking about so I'm going to give you three days to show me that you can use that technology and if that's the case then we'll try to salvage something and we'll try to do something because again building a building a prototype is not like I don't think that's feasible for you in three weeks but that was all I needed to hear just that yes and I came home and I don't think I slept for those three days so I'm not even sure if I ate um, but I worked on it so hard that and again I have to I have to emphasize on the fact this didn't happen as magic I had been thinking about it you know I had been envisioning it for the whole time it's just that I had a limited amount of time to code it and then but Anyway, the next day, uh, after three days, I go to him and I had a working prototype, a working semi-prototype. And obviously he was very pleased with that. And I was like, look, I've already given you half of a prototype. I can build the rest of this within the next three weeks um, and get the thing written up. 
and um, he 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 was happy enough to trust me with it. And at the end of the three weeks, I had a brand new framework, um, prototype of a framework, mind you. And then this obviously after my master's was completed, then obviously this led to me uh, being, um, you know, invited if you wanted to, they were like, you could do a PhD with us where you could build a bigger version of this framework only this time you can work with, you know, cancer data, um, cancer patient data. Um, and, you know, would you like to do that? And um, obviously I went to the interview, I got through all of those things. And then I was like, yeah, I'd love to, um, because, you know, like cancer is something like it is, it's a big, um, you know, it has a very high mortality rate uh, in the world and, you know, uh, something that I very quickly learned um, while working within the bioinformatics unit is that, you know, healthcare data is very, it's very different to, um, you know, other types of data that's available um, within different fields. It's, It's very complicated, very heterogeneous. So anything that we can do to improve the situation is, is to me, I think it's very important. So I went in and I started the PhD um, in cancer research. And then, you know, that's what led to me actually building the very first proper prototype of Indra. And at that time, um, it was called Serfim. And so I ended up building the first prototype, Serfim. And, you know, again, it was like, I think I went in thinking, oh, this is going to be fine. You know, I built the smaller prototype, it's fine. But working with big data is a whole different story. So that took a while. But then I ended up building, the, uh, you know, um, Seraphim. And we were then doing a demonstration of this, you know, because you do, you have to demonstrate your research. That's how you get funding. That's how you continue to work with things. So we were demonstrating this uh, in Belfast and um, this uh, big biotech company, uh, from the America, like from America, they were they were interested in this, and then they had reached out to Queens. Um, uh, they had reached out to Cubis, that's uh, Queens' um, commercial branch, and they'd reached out to them, and they'd ask, you know, if you're interested in, you know, commercializing this, we would be interested in it. And so then, obviously, they came and they contacted Dara and me, and um, you know, and then we had to have that conversation. Oh are we really going to do this? Because, you know, like it's because we didn't set out to build a company. Like I have to be honest, we didn't set out to build a company. We were setting out to build a research framework. Um, and the thing for us, I think, especially for the thing for me is if we just stayed in, in just as the academic framework, I knew that we were probably, it was probably going to die a death somewhere because one of, one of the first things I told Dara, I think when I was showcasing the framework in the beginning was that Dara, I don't want this project to end up dying just because we end up not having funding because, you know, it's something I had seen in academia is that all these brilliant people come up with these amazing ideas, but, you know, they don't get followed up or they don't follow them through because most of the times you run out of funding. So to me, I was like, oh, this is brilliant. If we could, you know, commercialize this, that means we can still have a research arm, you know, we can still have an academic arm where we can help people, but we can also have a commercial arm where we can, you know, reach out to the broader community. um, And that way we can balance both of them. So that's how we ended up um, actually uh, co-founding Sonry Analytics together. And obviously we changed the name of the framework to Indra. um, because again, it's something to do with mythology and everything else. So we kind of thought it would be cool. So we went with that. And Sonri obviously stands for uh, data in um, Irish. In Irish language, right. Yes. So uh, I actually have a question. So you yeah. said that 
when you um, went to Dora and said that you want to do that in three weeks, uh, why do you think he believed you? What was, you know, what was you yourself? You thought that you, you could do that. What was that inner voice inside you that was giving you that confidence sort of going, you know, on that challenge? Um, that's, that's an interesting question. Um, I think for me, the thing is, so I came up, so my family, um, you know, my mom and my dad, they both had very strong work ethics. Um, so my mom, especially in my mom's case, so in back in Sri Lanka, um, she is a, one of the most senior at the time of her retirement, she was one of the most senior, um, you know, civil services offices. And that meant that whenever she was joining the civil, uh, Sri Lankan civil services, there weren't that many women in, in, you know, being involved. So we, we, you know, we watched her career progress and, you know, she was one of those women who she got things done no matter what happened, you know, and she was like, there was no challenge was too much for her. And my dad was the same where he was like, if you, if you know what you're going to do, like if you have the passion for it, why would you hold yourself back? Just go for it and get it done. And it's okay if you fail. That, I think that was the most important thing they told me is if it's okay if you fail, but just go get it done. If you believe in it, you know, voice it because unless you ask for it, it's always going to be a no. So to me, it was always in my head, just because something might seem difficult, I don't think that's a reason for me to say no. Again, I am aware that I might not succeed, but I'm still going to go for it. I'm still going to try. So for me, that was it. Because um, again, you know, it was a big leap of it for me anyway, jumping from pure computer science into, you know, working with biologists where I, I kid you not, I could not understand a single word they were saying in the beginning. Like these guys are talking totally about another language, right? I know, I know right? Because like they're talking about, you know, transcription, DNA, and I, I'm, I'm sitting here being like, what now? So, you're in JavaScript and C plus plus and like wow exactly because um but but I have to say like my team um in Queens at that time they were brilliant as well you know um I've made lifetime friends with them and they were all very helpful and very kind in explaining everything to me but I think for me that was it and in Dara's case I still don't know I, I actually I think I once asked him that as well like why did you take that leap of faith and he was like well I mean see I think he, he said something along the lines of I could see that you wanted to do it and I knew that you were serious about what you were talking. Uh, you know, like I was passionate and I think that was it because again, to me, um, like I said, it did resonate a lot. It, it meant a lot to me because this was someone who hadn't seen me work, you know, like they'd heard me talk, they'd heard me planning these things, but they hadn't seen me code. Um, so yeah, it, it was just one of those things and I'm really grateful for that. Um, I think, um, I, I always try to remember that whenever, you know, whenever you get to certain points in life, you have to always remember you're standing on the shoulders of giants, you know, people who gave you the chance to actually break, you know, break through, because I think that's very important to have that opportunity, because regardless of how good you are, if nobody's going to give you an actual chance to, you know, break through into something, it's it's, it's really difficult. So it's, it's good to have people who, who encourage you and to take a chance on you. That's so true. That's so true. And um, what had been the biggest challenge for you, you know, during your this, um, your journey, creating your company, and even you know, uh, during your studies, yeah. what had been the biggest challenge you faced? Well, there's been several, I would say, from one side. So, I, I mean, I'm sure you faced this too, Mujan. It's just you know, when you're a female. 
coming into the field of computer science, it's really tough because um, because everybody's <laughs> kind of doubting you. It doesn't matter how good you are. It, it really doesn't matter how good you are. It's because um, I've had like I've had lectures turn around. So I remember um, one time, and this was at the very beginning. And this is why I'm really grateful for, for the um, I, I think the support I got from my family. But they were always like, no, you can do it if you want to do it. Do it. It doesn't matter what gender you are. But um, so I remember like one of my lectures standing around, we'd done this group project. It, it was a game we had to develop and we'd done it. And I'd done most of the code as well. Me and one of the other guys, because, you know, that's kind of how group projects sometimes go. Um, and I remember like we won, like we our, our game was the best game. But um, the lecturer, whenever he said, oh, you know, team x or team y won uh you know won the game um this time like you know they did the best uh program for it and whenever we went up to be like oh yay and he turned around and he was like wait what you guys won while you had a girl in your team oh, and wow. we all because the rest of them were guys um and we all just stood there like because again even like the guys they were really supportive of me and you know like they were brilliant and they knew i had done majority of the code and we were all just standing there, like absolutely stunned, because we didn't expect that in front of a whole class. But you know, I'm used to it. Like, how did you respond to that? I mean, sadly, because this was at the very beginning of my, you know, career. I just stood there stunned, and the guys were like, "Please don't take it to heart." And I was like, "Yeah, no, it's fine." And it stood with me in my heart, but I didn't actually say anything at that time. But now whenever these things happen, I think because of that, I, I speak out and I'm like, no, but that's not true or this is not accurate. But I didn't at that point. And I mean, there are a few times that I wish I, I wish I had spoken because I think it's one of those things you don't expect it from a person. You know, you don't expect someone to discriminate you based on either your gender or your race. Whenever it happens, you are in shock. So, you know, it's easy for me to sit here and be like, you know, it's easy for me to sit here and be like, you know, speak against these things. But sometimes when it happens to you, I understand why sometimes people get shocked because you it's it's such a shock to your system because you're not expecting someone to say that. You're expecting someone to critique your work, not your gender or your race, you know. So, um, but yeah, so that was a bit of a challenge to me because, again, you know, through the uh, through my journey, a lot of people and afterwards, like most people like, you know, they would tell me and they would mean it well as well. So I would kind of feel bad. They'd be like, oh, you know, if you're going to go into computer science, just be careful. It's not really a place for a girl. I've heard that comment so many times. Uh, and they, they and they're well-meaning. Like, you know, they think mm -hmm. they're saying the right thing. Because they're like, you know, I'm just saying this for your own safety. Um, and you're like, are you serious right now? Mm -hmm. So that's why I'm grateful. Like, I always had a really good support system. I have absolutely brilliant friends, both male and female, who've always supported me. And I've had brilliant mentors as well, and even from within my family. So I'm grateful for that. But yes, yeah, so that was uh, one of the challenges. And I would say the next challenge, uh, which is more technical, was the fact that, you know, I am one of those period, like I'm one of those people who's very curious about things. So I would jump into fields to be like, oh, I want to learn this. But whenever I was jumping into healthcare, I had no idea about, you know, healthcare data or what healthcare was all about. So that was a big learning curve and I had to do it very quickly. You know, I had to learn everything very quickly. So that was a big challenge. But again, in that case, again, I got a lot of help which I'm really grateful for because there was a lot of people around me who were very kind and who were willing to explain things to me, who were willing to sit down and explain what certain data meant or 
why those patterns were the way they were. So those were the two, ta- two challenges. One thing as a person, the other one was, you know, there's always the technical aspect of things when you're doing something new, you kind of have to go through that learning curve. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you were receiving these comments uh, when you were, when you decided to yeah. study computer science. Uh, when was it? How many years yeah. ago was it? When you started oh, this wasn't that your long computer ago. science studies? Yes. So this was what, I think, um, 2008, 2009. Right. So it's like 12 years ago, uh, almost. So it wasn't right? that. What would you say to, if you were the person who wanted to give Deva of 12 years ago a guidance to this curious, passionate, enthusiast, enthusiastic person, what would you give as advice instead of saying, don't go, this is not, you know, um, a girl's place? What would you say? I would say if you're passionate, first thing I would say is this is not an easy field. Regardless of your gender, this is not an easy field. You know, if you're not passionate about it, don't bother going into it because you will have a lot of sleepless nights. You'll have to work really hard. You know, you have to be committed, just like with any other field. I think if you want to succeed, you do kind of have to, um, you know, you don't have to beg, like you don't have to break your back, but you do have to work. You do have to want it. So what I would have said is, you know, just don't worry too much about the criticisms that's going to come your way you know take them see if there's anything useful in them if there is take that criticisms and change things that you need to change but always be true to yourself because at the end of the day you know it's you that you have to face not anyone else so if you're happy with it if you're happy with what you're doing you know just go for it and the next thing I would say is you know don't afraid don't be afraid to ask for help if you need it you know, speak to people. If you feel like you're stuck, talk to someone, um, get the advice you need, um, have a good network of people around you, a good, uh, you know, group of friends and get the support you need to get. Because again, it's very difficult to succeed in anything in life, I think, by yourself. Um, so, you know, get that support if you need that. And don't don't worry about what other people say, because I think I mean, that's the, that's actually the advice that I got from my family, my sister. Um, was that, you know, don't worry about what other people have to say. It's your journey. And I would give that exact same advice to my younger self is that it's your journey. You make the choices at the end of the day. You know, you rule your life, not somebody else. (laughs) So you do what you need to do to get to the places you need to get. Because the thing about having dreams is for me, at least, I believe the only way that you can, you know, fail a dream is if you quit it. If you have to go around it or, you know, if you have to take a bit of a, you know, a different route to get there, that's okay. If it's going to take you a little bit of time, if you have to pause it for a bit, that's okay. You'll still get to your dream. The only way for you to, you know, fail your dream is if you actually quit it. How would you define a leader, a good leader? I'd say for me, a leader is someone who inspires the people around them to be the best possible version of themselves. Um, Because like to me, a leader is not someone who tells you, okay, you have to do this or you shouldn't do this. It's just someone, you know, they act or they behave in such a way that you feel inspired looking at them, you know, looking at their actions, looking at the things they do. You're like, I want to be like that. You know, I want to be better. I want to be the best possible version. And when I say I want to be like that, I don't mean I want to imitate that person. A leader is not someone who makes you want to imitate them, but it's someone who gives you that confidence to be the, you know, the full version or everything that you want to be um, as a person. 
Thank you. It's, it, that's just my definition. That's amazing. That's <laughs> because... amazing. That's so true also. We're reaching to our final question. And I want to ask you, so A Thousand Eyes and Me, mm-hmm. we believe that stories are impactful, are powerful, especially the stories that we tell to ourselves, because they are the foundation and basis of our beliefs. So what is the story that Deva tells herself? Hmm. What is the story that I tell myself? Well, I suppose I tell myself that, you know, um, I remind myself of the little girl who you know, who as a child, you know, they, you know, go to school, they'd play and they'd all do all these things, but who always believed that, you know, one day she wanted to be a scientist because that was always my dream. Um, she wanted to be a scientist and she was going to do that. And then she wanted to, this bit I still haven't done, but um, she wanted to end up building robots that would be like, you know, intelligent, like human beings. <laughs> I am into robotics. I do hobby robotics, but I, I haven't gotten to that point yet. Um, You're going to get there. But, uh, but that girl, I hope so. Well, I mean, that that's a whole different story in AI, but um, yeah. But uh, yeah, so I, I just, I, I tell myself the story of that little girl, you know, because it wasn't always easy for that little girl. She had to go through a lot of difficult hurdles, you know, she had to, she had to, she had to jump a lot of hurdles and because I grew up, um, so I had learning difficulties growing up. Um, so obviously there was a lot of things there that I had to then make sure to, to, even to get into this field, I had to work towards a lot of things, you know, as much as anyone else had to do, I had to do sometimes a little bit more just to be on the same level. Um, And so I tell the story of that little girl and I tell her that, you know, you came this far, therefore you will do the rest as well. Like you can do this. If, If you were able to get through all of those things, and if you're able to, you know, get to the place that you have gotten, you you go far as well. And but I always tell myself, and this is very important. I think I tell myself that it's okay to fail. You know, I always give myself permission to fail if I need to, because failure is not final. You can always stand up and you can go back again. You can do it again because you're not quitting. It's just it's because it's life. You know, sometimes you do everything right, and yet you still end up not getting the things you want, and that's okay. Because that's just the way it is. That's not a reason for you to stop. So I think that's the story I tell myself is go for what you believe in and don't be afraid to fail. If you fail, we start again and we do it better the next time. Thank you so much, Deva. It was a pleasure speaking to you. (laughs) Same, same. It was a pleasure speaking to you, Mujan, as well. This was Deva Seneviratne, co-founder of Sunrai Analytics. Thank you for listening to this episode of Thousand Voices Podcast. Join our community to find out more about our guests and our leadership programs on our website, thousandeyeson.me. Until next time.